Welcome to the Pomona Christian Church Podcast. For more information about Pomona Christian Church, please visit us at PomonaChristian.com or find us on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Pomona Christian. about something years ago. Uh, it was a pilot that was flying a prop plane, and a lot of things then were controlled by cables. And as the pilot was flying, he thought he heard a noise in the back. And as he listened, it just sounded like kind of this gnawing. And it kept getting, he realized that probably there was a rat on the plane. And as he flew, and he couldn't really go back and check because it was just him in the plane, his mind began to run, well, what if he's chewing on a cable, or what if he's chewing on some line that has some fluid or something in it? Then then he's stuck, and then he's going to wreck. And so he just kept thinking about it, and then he remembered that if he would go up to 40,000 feet, he had oxygen, but if he went to 40,000 feet, the rat wouldn't, and the rat would die. And so as he climbed in height and stayed up there, pretty soon the gnawing stopped, and when he landed and he went to the back of the plane, there he found the dead rat. You know, I think worry and anxiety can be a lot like that, kind of like a rat chewing on the wires. They can just lead us to worry and anxiety that that can just keep going in our mind and make us wonder what is going to happen in the middle of something that's uncertain. And I believe the path through uncertainty is following God's will. And that doesn't mean it's certain. But even in uncertainty, and when it's still uncertainty, when we're following God's will, that can give us a peace beyond what we would have on our own. And I think we can see that as we look at a man who fully trusted God, a man who put everything on the line. If you want to know somebody who was all in on what God asked him to do, it was this man, Abram. And I'm just going to warn you ahead of time, I'm going to switch between Abram and Abraham like crazy, even though his name isn't Abraham yet, because I, I will say it. So just a, a warning. So if you think, oh, it's Abram, it's not Abraham yet, you know, that, that's going to happen over and over. But the series is on Abraham. So uh, we are looking at his life, and he was all in. When God asked him to do what he told him to do, it, it was a, a request that there was no half commitment. He was either all in or nothing. And so Abraham is a foundational figure in Scripture. But also if you look at the population of the world, when you consider three major religions, that all of Christianity, Islam, and Judaism all go back, claim to go back to Abraham. And so over half the world's population today in some way sees this man as a spiritual predecessor. So his impact on the world is greater than maybe we even thought of. Even today, Abraham is very relevant. And so we're going to be in chapter 12 of Genesis. If you want to turn there, we'll also have scriptures on the screen. But when we come here, Abram doesn't know the one true God. Scripture tells us that his father and his family basically worshipped other gods, and they, they worshipped these other gods. They may have known the God that was going to call him the one true God, or they may not have. But this is where he has his encounter with the one true God. And in Scripture, 
When we get to this point, basically chapters 1 through 11 are about the history of man, creation, the flood, and the earth repopulating. But once we hit chapter 12, the focus comes in down to Abraham and his descendants, the Israelites, and Scripture starts to follow a more specific storyline here as we follow God's work and His plan of redeeming us and bringing us to Himself. And so it focuses on this man, starting with Abraham and his descendants, who ultimately are from whom Jesus comes. So it says in Genesis 12, the Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. Now, when we read this, I think we just read over, you know, that the text is very concise, but this is a huge command that God gives Abram. And we look at it, read, God says this, and hey, he moves, big deal. But you think about it, this is a huge ask. You know, when you say bye to your family, in this case, you're saying bye for good, for life. You'll probably never see them again. When he says, your people, notice what he says, your people and your father's household. You know, his father's household is very close family, But then outside of your family, your family belonged to a clan and then usually a tribe. And he's told to leave all these people that he knows, the people who speak his language. And if you remember your old world history, you know, this is that area of Mesopotamia, one of the first settled areas in the world, the cradle of civilization. And he's being told to leave this area, leave everybody he knows and go to a place that God's going to show him. Leave the land that he is familiar with, that he understands. So to leave everything that he knows and to give up everyone that he knows. You know, it's not like today. It's not like he could get an atlas. And for those of you that don't know what an atlas is, it's like Google Maps in the form of a book. You know, so, you know, it's not like he had an atlas and and he could turn and find, oh, we're going over, oh, and it's mountainous and it's dry and this is the climate. Let's do an image search. Oh, yeah, that's very nice. This This is, you know, God's got a great, it's just go. Leave everything you know. And when studying this, that's what stood out to me is how many times I've just read through this. Well, it's God talking, so this will be easy. And it's like to give up everyone you know and everything you know, set out with just your family and head out. It's not like today you got a, you can get a moving van and it's going to haul your stuff and you can have phones. You can still talk with your family members. You can FaceTime if you, if you really want to see them. No, and they're nomadic, so they're going to be on the go. And in this time in Scripture or in history, as you get to those areas, there aren't a lot of countries as we understand them, where there's law and order. I mean, you have these walled cities that have a king, and there's maybe some law and order in there. But outside of these cities, it's kind of no man's land with these nomadic tribes, and these nomadic tribes would fight. And he's just going to be showing up on the scene, and people aren't going to like that either. And then there is one major country that's one of the early ones, which is Egypt. And so he's just going out without knowing what's going to happen. And I know in our age of having to know everything and where we hate uncertainty more than anything, it's got to, it would drive us crazy. But God gives him the reason in verse two. He says, leave. And this is what he says. He says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. 
I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So he makes him these three significant promises. One is that he would make him a nation, and basically that means many descendants would come from him, that he would have many descendants. Here's the problem. He's 75. Most don't start the journey to fatherhood at the age of 75. I mean, I could see him have this book, Being a Dad at 75, and no one's buying that. No one wants to know about that, you know? His wife, Sarai, is 65. She wasn't able to have kids before, and now that she's past the biological possibility, so that's quite a promise that he hears from God that leave, because this is what I'm going to do. The second one seems to be the most attainable, that he will give him a land and his descendants a land, property. That seems pretty doable. But then the third one, that all people on earth would be blessed through him and blessed because of his faith in what God is telling him to do in part of God's plan. See, the rest of the Old Testament from this point out is about God fulfilling these first two promises. It follows Abraham's descendants as they live in a relationship with God in the land that he has given them, and it's building to the point that the world's blessing, Jesus Christ, would be born, and that's where the New Testament comes in as we understand that final promise that blesses us today through Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection, that all would be blessed through him. It all points back to the step of faith that God tells Abraham to take. Now, even though he knows this and what God has said, there's a lot of uncertainty that he is facing. You know, maybe we picture, well, God told him this and he just knows right ahead. I mean, he knows, hey, let's head out. He doesn't know what lies ahead. And I don't know if Abraham is stressed, if he's worried, if he's really casual, like he's not worried at all, whether he's picturing worst-case scenarios as he takes this journey. I mean, he's willing to obey and trust, but that doesn't mean there's not going to be some stress and anxiety. But I do know it's not, he doesn't know when it's going to happen. He doesn't know how it's going to happen. There is a lot of uncertainty And in a lot of ways, though, uncertainty is good. We want certainty because we want to be in control. We want to know how things are going to play out. And then we feel comfortable. But a lot of faith lies in uncertainty when we have to rely on God, when we have to just know that He will work, that we can trust Him, that He is good. That's what uncertainty points us toward instead of ourself. I mean, it's really better than certainty and overconfidence. You know, certainty and overconfidence are kind of the opposite of what faith is really about. I mean, when do most things catch us off guard? It's when we have false confidence. When do we have an economic collapse? Usually when we believe nothing bad can happen to the economy, we can loan anybody money because, you know, nothing could hurt what's going on now, and then it all comes crashing down. You think after a few times, we wouldn't do that again, but it still happens. Why would a boat not have enough lifeboats? Well, of course, this boat is unsinkable. We don't need all these lifeboats. They'll make nice decorations for the side, you know, the ones we have. When does an unbeatable team lose? 
when they all show up and they think they're going to win and they get caught off guard by a team that's focused and locked in. Who has the worst injury, a motorcycle rider that wears a helmet or doesn't wear a helmet? You know, we have a lot of problems in life that happen, not just those situations that often happen because of our overconfidence or confidence in ourselves. And we think, you know, I really don't need to pray about this. I know. We can look at, we say, oh yeah, I can do that and I can be involved in this. And then you find yourself over your head, not knowing how you're going to get everything done and too many things on your agenda. I mean, they all seemed good. I was capable, but maybe you didn't think to pray and ask what God wanted. Some people would say, you know, I'd never have an affair. That would never happen, but they didn't guard themselves. They were overconfident, and then they found themselves in that situation they said they'd never be in. You can say, oh, if I retire here and do the right things, I'll be able to retire at this, and then we find out we don't control everything. Just because we have certainty and confidence doesn't mean that it's always going to work out the way we think. We say, you know what, it's going to be tight, but we can make those payments and find ourselves behind because we had overconfidence in what we could do. But what faith is, and when we move in faith, it's when we're giving up control, when we're giving up confidence in how we think things should be and how they should play out. It's trusting in what God will do. And every step of faith requires this all-in decision that we're going to go against how we feel. We're going to go against what we think the outcome sometimes will be. You know, that happens in a, happens in a step to service, to be involved. You know, I want to serve in this area. I want to try, but what'll happen? And, and we think of all the bad things or the possibilities, so we just don't put ourselves out there to try. Well, I need to be involved in, in community and around other believers, but what if we don't get along? What if they won't think of me? Well, I'll take that step later, and it just doesn't ever happen that we don't join a small group or get in a Sunday school class or get with other believers. Sometimes when learning to give, to sacrifice uh, generously, it's hard. Well, I don't know if I can, you know, give and sacrifice and let this go because it'll mean something over here. Or sharing our faith. We can think, I I really want to share my faith. Maybe I should say something or, or try to make some impact. But, you know, they probably don't want to hear it. They probably won't listen. What if they get mad? And so we stay in that area we can control rather than do what God wants and let Him worry about the results. But you never know what God will do until you move in faith. That's one thing we see throughout Scripture is faith is required to see things happen in life. And God uses Abraham's faith ultimately to bring the greatest gift that we could have. And that is Jesus Christ that he brought through Abraham's faithfulness. And Abraham blessed everybody on earth through him by sending Jesus. Jesus then came and died on the cross for our sins, rose on the third day so that we could be saved. And we'll even see events in Abraham's life that are pointing to this. So it says in verse 4, So Abram left. Again, everything is so concise, like all he's really asking God to give up. And then his response, so Abram left. You know, a lot of times in Scripture, guys kind of question God. They kind of doubt themselves or, you know, like Moses. He doesn't want to do it. This one just says, 
So Abram left as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. So here's something that we often maybe overlook in faith or people don't understand. Faith is the same as obedience. It's not just simply belief. It's not just trust. You know, even in the New Testament, our, the English word for believe, John 3.16, that we believe in God's one and only Son, it's really this idea of fully trusting that results in action. It's not just a mental belief that, hey, I believe God exists. A lot of people think that's faith. Oh, I believe in Jesus and the facts about Jesus that He died and rose again. Faith is, is a trust that res- results in actions, that results in a behavior based on what we really, truly believe. Abram had faith, and so he moved. He did what God said. So it's one thing to know what God wants us to do and believe in who God is. It's another to do it, and it's another to take that step. I think we can picture a guy that's become known as the rich young ruler in the New Testament, a man who he believed the facts about God, probably thought Jesus could be the Messiah. I mean, he obeyed all the rules, you know, and he followed the commandments. But then Jesus says, you know what? I want you to sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and follow me. And it said immediately he became sad because he had great wealth. See, he believed in God, but he didn't have the faith to take that step. He didn't have the trust in what God would do. If he takes that step, what will that mean? And he would have to lose his confidence in himself and trust in what Jesus had said. So he was very moral. He was a commandment follower. He believed in the facts, but he would not surrender his life. And that's what Abram does. Abram surrenders his life completely to do what God says. So I believe what will hold you back from living by faith is those things you know you need to do, but you don't. Those things we know God wants us to do, the steps He wants us to take, but we refuse. And we come up with a reason why, and maybe it's been there a while, but we just keep doing what we've been doing. You know, maybe trusting God in your family and doing things in your marriage you know you should do or prioritizing things with your children that you know should be more important, but they might miss out on this or this, so we don't take the steps we know we need to with our kids. Maybe it's just being a faithful example at work, even though you think, but they don't care, they won't notice, or, you know, people are going to make fun of me if I live like this or I don't do what they do. But it's trusting God to do what you know you should do. So we can't be people of faith and always stay the same. I like this. Someone says, sorrow looks back, worry looks around, but faith looks ahead. And faith is trusting that we go forward, not looking around. And that's what Abram does. He just moves forward with what God says. So we have to act on what God leads us to do and That will often, if not every time, take us out of our comfort zone. And going into an area, and that's why faith is hard, 
even when we believe something, because it means a change. It means giving up some control. I had this certain, or what I thought was a certain end result, and now that's going to change, and I don't know what God's going to do if I do this. And that's why it's faith. It's more trust in God than we have in ourselves. And here's what I'd like to say. If if you have perfect faith in what God is doing and you take that step, everything's going to be smooth. That's how you're going to know. You're not going to have any problems if you operate in faith. But we'll see from Abraham, and it's just true in life throughout Scripture, that even when we operate in faith, there can be opposition. There can be challenges to continuing to live in faith and do what God has called us to do. There can be disappointments on the way, and that's why it takes faith. It's not easy. You know, Abram is 75 years old. Sarai is 65. This thing about the kids seems impossible enough, but if there's a God and He's speaking to me, He can do this. But you think it's going to happen soon, right? I mean, that, that makes the sense. They can start getting the baby room and the tent ready, you know. It doesn't. That had to be a, a challenge. This nation thing, this many descendants, Abram's name is exalted father is what it means. Something better start happening So you can be doing everything right. You can be in the center of God's will, and that doesn't mean everything's going to make sense or be easy or operate the way you thought it would when you took that step. So it says, Abram traveled through the land as far as the great, as far as the site of the great tree of Morah in Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. So God shows him the land and says, this is the land I'm giving to you and your descendants. He appears to him and he reminds them. So I think oftentimes I think, well, if God showed me, I'd take that step easily if God appeared. But if you notice when God appears in Scripture, there's usually some step of faith that Abraham wouldn't have thought, I think God's leading me to do this. God leaves no doubt for what He wants Abraham to do. But we can see plenty of examples in Scripture of people like us who had to operate with faith that they didn't get a vision, that God didn't appear to them, but they knew what they needed to do. And so here they see this land... But here's another problem. There are all these cities, and they're walled cities, and they're just this one group of people. They're not going to conquer this land and just waltz in there and have the land. Even if they have descendants for quite a while, that's not going to be enough people. But notice what he does. Again, he doesn't question. He doesn't say, okay, when's the baby coming along? He worships. I think that's the best thing we can do in uncertainty and when we're waiting is to worship because it gets our eyes off ourselves. It gets the eyes off what we think we have to control, how we think things have to play out, and it puts them on the one that we trust in. It puts our eyes on God. And it brings believing in God as a fact but having no relevance in our lives to being the center. That's why it's important that we listen to God's Word and that we have other believers in our lives and we listen to the Holy Spirit so that God isn't just something 
we believe in as a fact, but it has no relevance in our life. But it's He's the one who guides everything that we do. So one thing to understand, faith is obedience, and that obedience will take you out of your comfort zone. That's why we have to be all in, and that's something we have to understand. You know, it's hard to believe it's been about 20 years, but back in 2003 at this time, I, you know, earlier in 2003, so 20 years ago, I was the youth minister, and I enjoyed the position. I'd been here close to nine years. And one thing I'd always said, even in school and in youth ministry, was I am never going to do the preaching side of things, ever. One, I liked youth ministry, and the other thing was, I'm scared when I get up here. You know, I used to preach, and it was so fast that people would be like, yeah, it sounded good, but you were speaking so fast. Well, I was scared to death. You know, I don't know what else to do. So it was like, that is not something I'm doing. And the previous senior minister was moving, and he said, you know what? I think you should apply. I think you could do it. And I took those words to heart, and I thought, well, I'll apply. And they went through the search process, and it's about 20 years that they said, yeah, well, that they felt led that I would be the next lead minister. And 20 years later, I'm doing something I said I would never do. So that's the lesson. Again, probably countless examples of don't say something you'll never do. That's why I say, I am not going to spend a year in the Bahamas, ever. (laughs) That might be the best way to say that thing. But God can do anything. And it takes us out of our comfort zone to do things maybe we know we should do, but, but put off. It says in verse 8, From there he went toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. So Abram, here when he camps, he's kind of in the middle of that land. And that's why it's the promised land, because it's the land promised to Abram and his descendants. So he's right there in the middle, and he's going to go south. But again, he builds this altar to the Lord to worship. You know, the biggest step of faith is to surrender your life completely to Jesus Christ. That's the one thing he's offered all of us, and he's asked all of us to do, that Jesus died on the cross so he could have that relationship. But you have to make that decision at some point in your life that you are going to completely surrender your life and live for Jesus Christ and follow his will because of what he did on the cross and through his resurrection. And even a lot of people get to that, but then for some reason there's a hang-up. Well, I should be baptized, but I don't want to take that step. For whatever reason, I believe, but I just won't take this step, or you just keep putting it off. You believe, but you won't do it and haven't done it, even though God's saying to take that step. But when we're all in, it means we do whatever God asks us to do and surrendering our lives. And then from that point and serving him in whatever way he says. And that's what we're going to see is Abram's that example of all in. And that's what God has called us through Jesus Christ to be is all in in our lives. For more information about Pomona Christian Church, please visit us at PomonaChristian.com or find us on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Pomona Christian.